0: There's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started.
1: I remember telling my oldest, uh, our kids, you know, dad and I think we're going to buy a long arm quilting machine And our oldest son. These are the words he said. Yeah, one of my friends, they have that in their basement and they just throw clothes on it.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. I'm your host, Susan Smith, and I'm coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. Now, if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing utensil with needle and thread attached and at high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events I host on my YouTube channel, Stitched by Susan. In these events, I'm usually quilting a project at my long arm from start to finish and kind of talking my way through the process. And because they're streamed live, they're interactive. So you can ask questions and get feedback and answers about a project while I'm working on it. So if you're interested in that and you'd like to be notified of upcoming events, just sign up for my newsletter at stitchedbysusan.com and I'll let you know what's on the horizon with those events. My philosophy is simple, there's nothing as warm and comforting as a handmade quilt in the whole wide world. So there are just so many quilt makers out there, and of course just as many stories. Because quilting has been a bridge between generations, it has soothed loneliness and chronic pain, it's been a beautiful expression of art and creativity that spans countries and cultures. So joining me today to tell us her story is Georgia Stull today's pins and needles is brought to you by the will and dave show
1: hey i'm will and i'm dave we're the will and dave show a small podcast where we talk
0: about the things that matter to us whether that's politics or social issues or pop culture we are on opposite ends of most every discussion we have and yet at the end we always find a little bit of common ground so check us out at www.thewillanddaveshow.com or on youtube or wherever fine podcasts are found and now back to pins and needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. Doing today is a teacher of her particular skill, which is long arm quilting. It kind of got me thinking about the process and even how intimidating the process can be of learning a brand new skill that might have a new machine in it or just might be totally unfamiliar. And my tip for you today is if you're trying to learn something new, look for a teacher that you somehow make a connection with. So these days we learn so many things from YouTube, and sometimes we still attend live and in-person classes, but wherever your learning place may be, don't give up if it at first doesn't seem to make sense to you. Maybe you're trying to learn crocheting or knitting, or maybe in fact you are trying to learn machine quilting keep looking keep listening and watching other teachers because eventually you will find one who explains things in a way that makes sense to you and that you can just make a connection with and it will all come clear so that's the big tip today find a teacher who talks your language I love my morning coffee If you are interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There for the price of one yummy coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. It just really helps us to keep upgrading our equipment and producing a better and better podcast for you. Thank you so very much for your support. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Georgia Stull dove into the world of long arm quilting kind of at the deep end of the pool. She was not really a quilt maker. In fact, I think had only made a couple of quilts at the point that she purchased her first long arm. So she just dove into the process of learning that machine and all its intricacies. And now, 15 years later, is a very experienced and very knowledgeable quilter and also a teacher of her craft. So I am so glad to have Georgia joining me in the studio today. Georgia, thank you so much for joining me in the studio.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the offer.
0: This is going to be so fun. I always love talking with another quilter and I'm a long armor too, but of course you you do more digitized work and I do more freehand, so it will be fun to contrast our stories. But before we dive into that, maybe give us a little bit of your background. Did you, you know, when did you start quilting at your mother's knee or is it something you learned later? How did that come about?
1: well it's something i learned later however i did so using you know a domestic machine i started out making clothes in my teen years and to be honest at that point in time it was cheaper to make your own clothes than buy them that is not true anymore <laughs> but right. it was a way for me to get new clothes and then i had opportunities to make clothes for other people like oh would you make my prom dress and and I just enjoyed it. Um, the, the process of completing something and having something finished, you know, is I, I think it's just important for people to have those things in their life one way or another. And so I did that. And after I got married, I made my own wedding dress. After I got married, I started, I continued actually doing, you know, wedding dresses and formal wear for many years until I hated brides mostly I hated Brights Mothers (laughs) and it 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 just wasn't worth it anymore I wasn't having any fun and it was aggravating so I switched to home interiors and I love that but it's very physical right you have to climb and and right oh it's a lot of work and so then one day my oldest son said that he wanted to get married. And I thought, well, I'll make him a quilt. It's sewing, right? So I pieced my third quilt Ever. I pieced two quilts in the 70s, the Eleanor Burns rip and tear log cabin quilts. You mm-hmm. know those? Yes, yes. And so I made two of those in the 70s in a class, and I made my son's wedding quilt. And when we took it to the quilter, somebody at our church that I knew had a quilting machine, and he knew I liked to sew. So he was talking to me all about his machine. At the last minute, my husband, Ivan, had gone with me. And as we we're leaving, he goes, well, you could do that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, if you buy me a machine. Hardy, har ha, you know. And next thing I know, um, he had mentioned, the quilter had mentioned, that there was an international show in Overland Park 20 minutes from me uh, two weeks later. And my husband showed up at noon and said, we're going up to the show to buy you a machine. It was oh,
0: nice. crazy,
1: <laughs> except I didn't know really that much about this world. I had no idea how you know big these machines were, how expensive these machines were. And we did a lot of research and he actually spent probably four months convincing me to do it because I was kind of scared to death to make that big investment. But I'm grateful because it changed my I tell people all the time, I bought a machine and it changed my life. And it certainly did.
0: And, you know, maybe our listeners aren't aware, but a long arm quilting machine, even a already loved one with not many bells and whistles is the price of a really good used car. And they just go up from there. Absolutely. <laughs> so we are talking a significant investment. It is like starting a business. You need to know, right. you know, um, you've got to have a lot of disposable income if, if it's a hobby. Otherwise, you've got to <laughs> have a plan in place for that machine. So, So how did your plan come into play then? Did you start with the intention of quilting for customers and growing a business out of it?
1: Absolutely. I We were looking for, I was particularly looking for a business that I could carry into his retirement years, like he retires. And so my goal was to have a business that had everything paid for and a client base by the time he retired. Well, he just retired this year. So, and I've been in business 15 years. I Took out a three and a half year, I mean a five year loan, and paid it off in three and a half years. I, I'm just one of those people that doesn't like to be in debt and just threw all the money to it. No bells and whistles, just get the job. and And I either jump in or I don't do something. I'm not very good at halfway doing anything. So I got my machine delivered on September twenty sixth, and I was taking customer quilts the first weekend in November.
0: Good for you.
1: I am a computerized quilter, and that does, it's a different kind of learning curve. I wasn't very computer literate at that point, and uh, so I had a lot to learn, but I was dedicated to, one way or another, I'm not going to let this thing be more than me, and I just just kept plugging away at it. Excellent.
0: Well, I know that you teach quilting as well. So you're a really excellent person to maybe describe for us what digital or computerized quilting kind of looks like.
1: Okay. So, you know, when I first started there was a whole different mentality i think about computerized quilting as a matter of fact i knew people that had computerized quilters that didn't tell people that they had computers because there was sort of a framework of that's cheating well computerized quilting in my opinion the computer is simply a tool and you have to master the tool otherwise you're not that much better than a hand-guider. I think a hand-guiding person has to learn that muscle memory, trying to create designs. Um, a computerized person uses digital patterns. I can create digital patterns, but mostly, I tell everybody, I design by credit card. There's great people out there that are much mm-hmm. more artistic than I, but but there's still a learning curve, and we still have to manage the fabric um, Until we quilt in wood, one of the things we have to deal with is shrinkage. Hand guiders, as they quilt, they adjust their design to fit the pattern, to fit the space as they go. Well, computerized quilters are laying a pattern down, and you have to build up your knowledge and your expertise to know, is that going to shrink enough that it's going to be outside of the pattern right. or is it not going to go to the edge it it is it's a tool but you do have to learn how to use it
0: and i think that a lot of it knowledge does come into place and just maybe even that enjoying or being fascinated by learning those right. skills so i come from the opposite side because i'm the freehand <laughs> filter right and you hit the nail on the head when you said it's just two different skills. I'm all admiration for what you do, but I know already that I don't love it. So I have not, you know, chosen to pick <laughs> up that skill. But.
1: And that's how I feel about hand guiding. I so admire what people can do. And I just like, oh my goodness. I, But I started out, remember, a few weeks after I got my machine and I have not been without quilts since then. I went through, I believe between Christmas and New Year, the first year, I had like three days with no quilt. And I remember praying, oh, please just bring me one quilt. So I always have it. And I've never been without quilts since then. So I had the desire to learn how to hand guide. I always thought I would. And then I never had time. And especially once I added teaching, to what i do and i will tell you that teaching was very important to me because i'm a people person and i don't know why it didn't occur to me that i was going to be in my basement with this machine and no people most of the time i just i was like this is i started almost going crazy i moved to tv in so i had company on the tv and stuff and um One day I just asked someone, would you ever uh, need somebody to do any training in Missouri? And like seconds later, really I would, are you interested? And I have a teaching background. So it was a natural fit to marry love of quilting with my teaching and and have that social aspect that isn't, I I met customers, but those are brief moments, not, Every day and I really missed people So it worked out great for me
0: (laughs) That's that's excellent So do you have a quilt count to date of how many you've quilted?
1: You know, I'm I'm putting you on the spot. I know I, I know I'm not really big on that, but you know what I do I Like I remember the first year at christmas time. I was like thought I was gonna go crazy, right? And you were so busy and the next year I felt just just as busy, but I realized I doubled how many quilts I did, and the next year I almost doubled again, but now I pretty pretty leveled out. So if I'm home and not teaching, I do five to seven quilts a week pretty consistently. Obviously, I don't do tons of custom quilting. I have a love-hate relationship with custom quilting. I love the challenge, but I, I get sort of bored with the same quilt on the frame for a lot of days. And Mm -hmm. so I make myself crazy and I'll work 16 hour days, just get this quilt off the frame. And um, yeah, to me, planning a custom quilt is wonderful. It's so much fun. And getting started watching how the border looks with the sashing and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I love this. But after you get past the first row, it's, very repetitious most of the time and I'm bored and I just want to get it off the frame and move on to the next project. So I I can see that.
0: So for our listeners who might not know the difference, when we talk edge to edge quilting, it's laying the same quilting design just from one edge to the other of the quilt with no regard for blocks or seams or different colors. Custom quilting usually refers to putting specific quilting uh, motifs in specific areas so again whether it's within a block or within a border and so then that involves you know working with sizes and shapes and fitting and all that sort of thing and gives a much more spectacular result.
1: It does and you know it, it just comes down to you know some quilts it doesn't matter if you did custom quilting it wouldn't even show and some quilts it makes all the difference in the world and so i i enjoy the challenge of custom it just bores me to a certain extent and ironically when i started i thought i would be a competitive quilter because i'm kind of competitive and i realized really quick no this isn't going to be why i don't like it Mm -hmm. i like the challenge of something different every day and I, I like quilting for customers and and you know, some, some quilts are challenging, but it just makes me learn more about my craft, how to make that quilt look really great.
0: Right. Do you find that over time, like you're quite a few years into it now, but as you, as you got some quilts under your belt, did you find that it got easier and easier with that experience to kind of evaluate what was suitable for a quilt, what the best sort of option
1: was? I really do. And I... I teach even classes to quilters, obviously. And one of the things I say is in the beginning, every decision seems so important. And I even watch people who get very paralyzed by that. Like they can't make a decision. And I'm, I am I, tell, especially beginners, make a decision and then, you know, look at it, evaluate afterwards. Does it mean you could have done it differently, better, whatever? That's okay. You're doing the best you can with what you have and you gain confidence not making decisions is what makes it 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 stops the growth you just you know and it's it's just keep trying and things that used to be difficult are much easier now and people think that because i've been doing it so long and it's so easy some things are so easy that you know that that I never had those problems. No, I was just like them. Right. And when, when I started, there was no education. That's, you know, was it was There was no like,
0: YouTube to rely on for oh, how do I no. quilt this?
1: <laughs> no, here's your machine. Good luck. Have fun. Yes. And remember, I had to learn how to handle a quilt sandwich because I'd never done that, as well as trying to figure out what to put on it, as well as try to figure out how to use a computer. So I have no problems telling somebody new that if I can learn it, you can learn it. Because I, I did it, and we did it the hard way with lots of tears. <laughs> and now people have an abundant amount of resources. And if one teacher doesn't do it for you, try a different teacher. We all teach differently. We bring different things to the table. And I'm a very... Practical teacher. And I think part of that is because I do mostly everyday quilts for everyday piecers that have their own special issues. And so I don't teach fancy stuff as much as every day, let's just get the job done. And I'm proud of that because most quilters are that kind of quilter.
0: I, I agree. And most quilts that are being made, like 99 out of 100, you know, are that kind of quilt too. And exactly. so. It's just, it's our job to add beauty to those. Well, I right. love your comment about not being paralyzed and just making a decision. I think that is so, so critical. Um, I heard a term the other day, it was called infocrastination. And I thought, you know, sometimes there's so many YouTube, you know, right. options available and so many teachers out there teaching in so many opinions, it's easy to get bogged down in that way. So you're right. right. Just make a decision, do it, decide what works for
1: you you'll know more right. for the next quilt. And and don't worry about the people who say this is the way you have to do it. There there really are very few. W- when you're working in a computer program, there are certain rules that you must abide by to make the computer program work, you know, like click in a certain place and follow a method. That you have to do. But everything else, and I think – I. I always in the back of my mind is, wonder what would happen if? And mm-hmm. I I can even remember when I was growing up watching a sewing show, and I don't remember the name of it, but I remember the teacher would say things like, now, you might be tempted to do this, but trust me, you don't want to do that. And, and I, you know, I think I'm that kind of person that I'm willing to try anything. And then you just have to evaluate for yourself. And I I think there are some people out there who love to tell other people this is how you must do it. And and some people have those people in their lives that almost try to take over and tell them how to do it. And I just say, you just smile and say, wow, I really appreciate the advice. And then you go and do what works best for you. It's not worth arguing over right. or anything else. Just do what works for you. It, it's much better better and more enjoyable that way.
0: Yes. And have the fun of trying and experimenting. It is a hobby and it is an art. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we talked a bit about you teaching. Now you and another partner also have an online academy. Is that correct? Where could students go that are interested in maybe joining or learning about that?
1: Okay. Karen Farnsworth and I have known each other, um, uh, Almost as long as I've had my machine, practically from the beginning. We're both from Missouri and we both uh, teach Statler education, how to use the Gamel Statler quilting machine. And so we both love our machine and we want, I'm not kidding. We really want people to love their machine as much as we do. And we believe information is power. If you don't know how to use it, it's just a big scary machine in your basement, right? You're almost afraid to go down the stairs because it's like, Oh, what is it going to be today? And, and we don't want that. So we began a, um, it's called the Academy. We have it based on Facebook because we wanted the interactive. We wanted somebody to be able to say, like last night, somebody said, help. I, I, I have a problem. I don't know what to do. And I could say, here, call me. And in five minutes I have our problem fixed and, or, um, or I do a quick little video to demonstrate, you know, something that would help them with their problem. In addition to that interactivity, we every week we put up, Karen and I both put up a video about a topic. So we choose topics, but we don't talk about what we're going to do. And when we choose a topic, and it'll be everything from maybe a little bit about doing business, choosing thread, how to use features in the software, uh, all kinds of different things, and then What happens is, sometimes her video and my video are very much the same. Other times they are not even close to the same, and sometimes they're totally different. But that's good because it lets people know that there is more than one way to do things. And I believe that as learners, we all learn differently. Sometimes people can hear four people say something And they only understand what one of those four people said Mm -hmm. because of the way they learn. And it's not a, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's to be celebrated that we can teach and learn differently. So, um, and to do that, Karen's website is wildflowerquilting.com. And that's where you can find out more information about the Academy and sign up. It is a, a subscription base, but. At the end of a semester, we do it in semesters, which is six months, and the end of a semester, it'll be about six hours of video and about 50 different videos. So it's a really good base of information to learn. You know, trying to learn software all at one time is overwhelming right. in little bites. And even if it doesn't necessarily pertain to anything you're doing now, but you'll remember, oh, wait, there was a video about this. And they can go back forever and look at the videos. They're welcome to, you know, when they're in that semester, those videos are theirs and available to them forever. So,
0: That's awesome. That sounds like a really great plan. It's kind of like how to eat an elephant one bite at a time, (laughs) right? (laughs) How to learn to run a computerized machine one step at a time. Yep. Okay, so I mentioned really early on that you recently passed your 15th anniversary in your business. And about the same time, your husband retired and is now working from home too. Is he involved in your business? Is this now kind of a joint affair?
1: It sort of is. He has number one always been my best cheerleader and supporter. I remember I was the one who said we can't spend that kind of money on a quilting machine and he just said, Why would you not get the best? Just get the machine. And I you know, he's he's supported me so well. And, you know, he certainly knows a lot about the machines. He has quilted. He actually never sewed a day in his life until we started the business and he said I think i need to learn how to sew and so he has made some quilts he wishes he had time to do more now that he's retiring that you know retired that will start happening more i think but you know he kept talking about we would do the quilting together and yeah i just love my machine and i was just like i don't know how i'm gonna share this machine and Um, so we ended up buying an embroidery machine kind of have always wanted one and he's focusing more on that he still helps me with maintenance and other things with the quilting but it it marries well you know people get quilt labels and I already have you know when he started um, using the embroidery machine he had 300 threads to choose from. You know, most people don't get that because I just happen to use a thread that works on the embroidery machine too. So, and, and we enjoy being together. So I, I enjoy it. I was nervous about retirement and turns out I really, really like it. I like the freedom. So if we want to take a day off, we can. And if we want to work Uh, on Saturday I used to feel guilty working on Saturdays now if we're both busy I don't care we're both down here and connected but doing our own thing so it's been good how nice
0: is that and I'm curious Georgia do you find time still to make your own quilts or is that not so much of a priority for you (laughs)
1: Well, remember, I bought this big quilting machine, spent all that money having pieced three quilts, which is nuts. Most people buy a machine because they have 60 tops of their own and they want to finish them. And, you know, and for me, it was just another sewing machine, a different kind of sewing machine. I would like to say that I piece a lot of my own yeah I just don't have a lot of time obviously grandbabies and weddings and things like that I do some actually during COVID i was so excited I finished a king-size quilt for my bed uh in my house but I keep it really simple I have no desire I love all these big complicated you know Judy Niemeyer quilts and I they don't appeal to me I just I I'm not going to do those. So I keep it simple and I enjoy piecing, but not near as much as I enjoy quilting. I will always choose quilting over piecing. Well, it's good
0: that you know what you love.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, it works. So that's, that's
0: magic right there. Yep. Do you, how do you balance, you know, because work is in your home. And I do the same thing. And I know that can be a bit of a balancing act, how to keep work a little bit separate, how to not, you know, how to not be taking too many coffee breaks on the one side, but how to not let work take over life. Got any tips for us in learning that sort of balance?
1: I think the biggest tip is to learn that sentence. No, Uh, (laughs) I, I, I struggle with that. I like helping people. I like quilting for customers. I I had to learn to put some boundaries in place and remember that I am in charge of my business, not my customers. You can end up spending your whole lifetime taking care of everybody else, but not your own. And so it it affected me in in a couple of ways. I, I read a blog one time where a young lady realized she was doing all this custom quilting and not charging very much. And she realized that she cheated her family out of her part in their life for a dollar 50 an hour Mm -hmm. you know so it affected me to learn to set my prices where I really I am a business and I'm here to make money Uh, I don't want to gouge anybody but I but I have to make money at it and before my husband retired the last couple of years I really worked at being home yeah being present when I wasn't You know when he was home. It's just so easy to work all the time when it's in your home. And it's hard for me. I'm not really good at just sitting and doing nothing anyway. And all I would ever think of is, well, I do have 25 quilts in the closet. I could just put one more on. And, you know, so I had to work at it. I, I know I have workaholic tendencies and I have to balance it.
0: So one needs to learn how to say no to outside influences. And occasionally we even have to say no to ourselves. You know, no, it's 730. We haven't had dinner yet. No, I'm not going to start another quilt. I'll just stop for tonight, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, there are always times, I, I always say the beauty of a small business is you do get to be in charge of your business. And if somebody really special, you know, had no idea that quilts have even, quilters have, you know, work. List you know, long lists of people, and they have something and I really care about it, I'll just make the time and do it. That's the beauty of my business. But I also have to be careful that I don't spend every waking hour just working and thinking about quilting it's hard (laughs) if you love what you do I think it's even harder yes you know if I didn't like it it wouldn't be a big deal but I love it I remember I remember telling my oldest uh, our kids you know dad and I think we're going to buy a long arm quilting machine and our oldest son these are the words he said he was in college and he goes yeah one of my friends they have that in their basement and they just throw clothes on it
0: (laughs) (laughs) and I do think that happens to people
1: It happens all the time. And that's what I mean. If they're not educated, it's just a big scary machine in their basement. But, but it's so funny because as the years went by and I became a national teacher, so your name start, you know, and, and my daughter-in-law, we have a a son in England and my daughter-in-law one day goes, Oh my gosh, did you ever Google your name? You're everywhere. Well, it's because I teach at national things, but It's kind of fun to surprise your kids once in a while, you know, they're like, you're just mom and you're going to buy this machine and nobody's going to, you know, and then they're like, wow, you know, so I think that's kind of fun.
0: I can totally see that. Well, in closing, do you have a little nugget that you'd like to share with our listeners? I always ask my guests, what's a little lesson that you've been able to apply to your life that you've learned from your craft?
1: I think it is. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to try something new. I, I have because it was so different than things I had done in the sense that computerized and I didn't really know much about computers and stuff. I, I had to learn to just don't be afraid. Try something. It's okay. And I remember one of my kids' teachers when you know one of my kids really wanted to be perfect at everything and she would always say you know did you give it your best did you learn something and did you have fun and so you know what that i think that is an important thing about life did i do some things that i realized nope i didn't have fun and guess what i have no problem saying i can't do that for you mm-hmm. and there are things that i probably could have done better but I certainly learned something from them and I gave it all that I could at that point in my life. You know, so for me, you know, those three questions, you know, did you learn something? Did you have fun and did you give it your best? And that's where I'm at.
0: Those are great questions to ask ourselves in many areas of our life.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you very much. This has just been fascinating listening to you tell about your story. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I really had a great time.
0: If you, listener, are interested in exploring more of Georgia's work, or in fact, in learning from her, she can be found on her website and Facebook as Heartland Quilt Works, and I'll put a link directly to her sites in the show notes. Meantime, thank you so much for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or the app of your choice. It really helps other listeners to find the show so they can hear these stories as well. And I'd love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. If you know of such a person, email me at info at and don't forget to CC the nominee as well. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.